I love this time of the year. I really do. It, it always brings me back to when I was a kid. And we often all think like that. As Christmas comes around, you think back to the good and the bad. But a lot of what we bring from our childhood was, was rough, right? We carry stuff. As we age, we, our youth fades, but the things from our youth we, we carry with us, we take with us. And when I was a kid, I was always aware something was lacking in my life. The, the best way I could describe it as a kid was I, I couldn't settle. My mind was always running. And as I got older, it was clear to me that what was happening is I lacked peace. I just couldn't settle down. I always felt like the waters were being turned up inside me. When I was seven years old, my dad left. I'm the oldest of four. And my mom, extremely hard worker, provided everything she could for us. But without a dad in the home, I was aware an, an acute form of protection was missing. Now listen, my mom, my mom's 100% Italian. My mom can throw down, all right? That's just a straight up truth. I'm not saying she's a wimp. But as the oldest child, I felt a strong sense of vulnerability for me and my mom and my siblings. And so I remember as a kid, I would, I would check the doors and check the windows, and I'd go to bed, and then I would say, did I, did I check them well? And I'd get up, and I'd check the doors, and I would check the windows, and I'd check the stove, and then I would, I'd go back to bed, and I would get up again. I did this every night, all the time. You see, much of my childhood, it was always aware peace was missing. And as I got into my teen years and grew, the lack of peace also grew. I can tell you actually uh, two distinct times that have stuck with me from my childhood. I remember we were, I was maybe 16 or 17. We went to Nassau County. It was an outdoor skating ring, a big Christmas tree, and people were laughing and having fun. And I remember leaning against the, the, the banister for the ice skating ring, and I'm just leaning there and saying to myself, I just, I'm seeing people enjoy themselves. And it looked like they had peace. And I knew I had none. And it stuck with me. That moment is so vivid in my mind to this day. And then when, another one is when I grew up, we grew up uh, in Santa Mercer's, and my mom still lives there, and I grew up on South Trainer Avenue, and behind South Trainer Avenue was a new development, a new road that got put in when I was a teen called Williams Street. And Williams Street, and I remember walking down it with all the new cars and the new houses, and the new lawns, and it just felt so serene. It had this, this sense of peace and possibilities. Every time I'd walk down that block, I just felt like th they have something I want. And as I got older, obviously, I know that, that the people on, those, on that road were just as jacked up as me. Someone laughed, they know me. Like, oh, I don't think they're as jacked up as you, Benor. But I was aware. And listen, that, that William Street sounds so like dumb for a kid, but that impacted me so much. I remember telling my family, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called In Search of William Street. That's what I told them. It was going to be about my personal, my personal journey for peace. Of course, it was going to be a bestseller. I would have been on Oprah's book club, right, when she had it. <laughs> you would all wanted my, I, I got my books outside, $30 a copy. My wife's rolling her eyes right now, right there.
But, but even today, even today, when I get together with my family, sometimes my brothers will, or sister will joke about In Search of William Street. It, it, it stayed with them. And the reason it stayed with them is because it was so impactful to me. It was so weighty to me. Peace is what I wanted. And peace is what I believe people want. Name something someone is going after, and I'm telling you, at the bottom, at the bottom of it, it's a desire for peace. It's tied to the illusion of peace. They want more money. We want more money for financial security because we think if we have more financial security, we can put our head on the pillow at night and, <sighs> peace. Or we want to we get in shape for our self-esteem because we think a renewed valuation of ourselves will bring us more peace. Listen, I believe even atheists, atheists, though they're misguided and they're wrong, they're atheists because they believe they can have more peace if they can convince themselves God doesn't exist. It's all about the search for peace. But in that search for peace, we as people, we, we, got, we just go down a rabbit hole. We're just constantly falling and dropping, never finding it because, because we forget or we didn't know in the first place or no one ever told us peace is not a man-made thing. It's not a man-made concept. Peace comes from God. Because God is at peace with himself. This, 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 as I was writing this, this dawned on me. God has existed forever. No beginning, no end for God, and there has not been one millisecond of God's eternal existence where he was not at peace, not a moment. I mean, think about that. There's a, there's a devil, there's evil, there's chaos, there's a world filled with people who hate him, and none of that has ever robbed God of his peace. Even if God is at war, he's at peace with himself. It's, it just, it blows my mind, but mankind, us, humanity, and peace we just, we just can't get it on our own. In the last 5,600 years, 5,600 years, the world has known 292 years of peace. 5,600 years since they've been studying this, 292 years of peace. 14,000 wars in that time period. 3.6 billion people have died in that time period due to war. The, the evaluation of property and that was destroyed in all those wars, it, it would, and now it would take, we could build a golden belt that would wrap around the globe that would be 97 feet wide and 33 feet thick. All the property that's been destroyed in war. 5,600 years, 8,000 peace treaties were made and broken. Made and broken. Because peace is nowhere to be found in humanity. Peace is nowhere to be found in my strength and your strength. By my searching and your searching. By, by the new boo or the new job or the new car. Peace is only found in God. Cue Jesus. Let's read Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, this is, this is big here, especially during Christmas, because we hear Christmas jingles and Christmas songs and Christmas cards we read, and you watch Hallmark movies, and you watch great Christmas movies like Die Hard. <laughs> amen. Someone said amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm an idiot. But... What do we always hear? It's all peace on earth, peace on earth, peace on earth, peace on earth to all mankind. But that's not what it says in what we read. It says peace on earth only to those whom God rests his favor upon. Whom God rests his favor upon. Now listen, Jesus will come back again. And when he, come back, when he comes back again, peace will be like the air we breathe. It will saturate us, the cosmos, and the animal kingdom. That will happen. It will, it will be everywhere. But now, peace on earth only comes to those whom God rests it on, or gives it to, or gifts it to. Peace is only given as a gift. That's it. It's the only way you can have it. It's the only way God bestows it. It's a gift. Don't you love gifts? We got some fake gift haters in here. You know, get the gift, you're like, oh, oh, you shouldn't have. This, was, this must have cost you so. Open the present and enjoy it. It's okay to love gifts. Don't we love gifts? Yes. Thank you. Amen. We love gifts. We should love gifts. And God's peace is a gift. What do we know about Chris, about gifts? Three things I want to eat this morning. Is this mic cutting out? No? Good. Three things about gifts. Number one, gifts are freely given. Number two, a gift should be shown off. And three, gifts have been paid for. Gifts are freely given. A gift should be shown off. And gifts have been paid for. First of all, gifts are freely given. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Right, this is Jesus saying, I gift my peace. Do you receive the gift? Jesus says, 
peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This is a remarkable passage because it puts us, the reader, the receiver of the gift, in a passive position. When I say a passive position, what do I mean? It means, remember Christmas morning and your, your kid was sitting there in their, their Superman PJs, now it's Paw Patrol, oh, how we are falling as a country. So Superman, if whatever, and you're in your PJs and you're sitting there, and what happens? Mom or dad or grandma, or your guardian or whoever comes and they gave you the gift, they give you the gift, you passively receive it. And that's how God gives his peace. And God gives his peace, his gift of peace, to his kids. If we're lacking peace in our life, I want to say it may be because you and me, maybe we're trying to work for the gift of peace, and God won't give it to us like that because that's how we destroy ourselves. Imagine your kid coming to you three days before Christmas and sits you down and says, all right, listen, I just want to go over everything I've done the last few months. On, on October 12th, I washed the dishes. On November 15th, I took out the garbage. And that's actually the end of my own kids list. That's it, the last three months. It's always done. So. But, but imagine they did that. They sat down with their list and said, this is why I should be able to receive your gift. You, you would be, we would be offended. We'd be crushed we'd be hurt, and we would say, what did I do wrong as a parent that this, my child, thinks they have to come with their list at Christmas so that they can receive a gift from me? That's not a gift, that's a wage. That's working for something. And God will never give us peace when we think we're bartering for it. Because that is the path of destruction. If we get to our life where we say to ourselves, Well, okay, how do I top my Christian hit list from last year so that I can up it a notch this year so I can keep God's peace? And we're we're missing the whole point of what God does and who God is. Listen, we should read God's word. We should go to church. We should love our neighbor. But those are not the things that cause peace in our life. God gives peace as a gift because that's the only way anyone gets it. He loves giving peace to his kids. Don't you want more peace? Uh, Don't don't we get tired of acting like we have peace, putting on the the, the peace front, kind of like playing the peace game? Anyone ever seen this meme? Can we get the meme up there? Hold on. There it is. (laughs) Are you you familiar? I know you're all on Facebook, social media. This is actually called Hide the Pain Harold. That's the name of the meme. He's, he's a Hungarian guy who, who, you know, went for a job for stock photos. They took a bunch of stock photos of him, and they put him on, on the Internet, and then people started making memes. I mean, look at him. He, he looks like what? What does he look like? He looks like he's like, <laughs> he's dying inside. He's trying to force a smile, right? This is my, can you put the other one up, please? That's. My wife, for me. Love you, babe. But this is how it can be. Listen, this is how it can be in church. Not because of the atmosphere of the church, but because of our expectations of what we think we should be presenting in church. Right? We get stuck in the playing piece, the peace game. 
because we're Christians. And if we don't have peace, then maybe we aren't, we think, we aren't doing a good job of being Christians, and then we get into all these problems. We start faking it till we make it. That's what we think. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. My, my house burned down. My, my girlfriend walked out of me. My, my kid identifies as a, as a bumblebee. And someone at church asks you, someone at church asks you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing great. God is so good. I got so much peace. And you, and you look like the meme. We all know it ain't going good. We all know you don't have peace. This has to be an atmosphere, and, and Roger has cultivated that, but we have to drop the religious taboo and mindset and start being aware around with each other, saying, I, I don't have peace. Help redirect me. What am I missing? Because God wants us to receive the gift of peace, not pretend peace. Even in our failures. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now, I believe firmly, I, I believe firmly God wants us at peace even when we fail, even when we mess up. Not because of our failures and our mess-ups, because he wants us to know he's not yanking peace because we fail. He's not yanking the peace because we messed up. What kind of father would do that? Not God. You know, what we read earlier in Luke chapter 2, it says the angels come and appear to who? Who did they come and appear and announce peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests? Was it royalty? Was it the Kardashians? Someone said, oh, oh no. It was shepherds. And we think shepherds, they're so cute. They go together like, you know, shepherds and Christmas. It's like, like Oreos and milk. Like it's just like Shepherds, we love shepherds, but in Jesus' time, and you've probably heard this, shepherds were outcasts. They spent months at a time in a field with other shepherds. And so everyone thought they were, they were isolated from the community. You weren't allowed to buy sheep or milk from a shepherd because if you did, it probably was stolen goods. That's what they thought. If, you, if someone was saying, hey, you murdered someone, and you're like, no, no, I didn't. I have a witness, and he was a shepherd. That shepherd could not testify in court on your behalf because their testimony was inadmissible. They were considered liars. And God comes first to the worst and says, peace. First to the worst and says, peace. Take my peace through Jesus as a gift. Even in your bad days and your, your bad seasons. The second thing we know is that gifts should be shown off. Don't you love showing off gifts? We should love showing off gifts because by doing that, we are blessing, we are raising up the person who gave us the gift. If I received a gift from somebody and I love the gift, I show it off because I'm, I'm applauding, I'm, I'm putting a spotlight on the gift giver. When I was 12 or 13 years old, you know, we grew up poor, and my Uncle John came into some money, and I remember he came into some money, he came, and he brought us to a bike shop, at not, not Sears, if you, you remember the bikes at Sears, I mean, like a legit bike shop, and I got to pick a, a GT Pro Performer, it was sky blue, it had white mags, and man, I loved it, it was hot, I'd ride it around, and I would show it off. And last year, we got to do that for Josiah. It was awesome. He turned 12. There he is. Oh, he's so cute. Look at him. I mean, I'm sorry. 
He's going 12 going on 13. I love him. I can't have him. And we went, like, that, that's a GT. And then we got him this hot bike. And we loved, me and Nikki loved getting him this bike. And listen, I wanted him to ride it through town and show it off. So sue me. I wanted him. I wanted him because we wanted him to feel proud and we wanted him to know he's loved and we wanted him to show off. We didn't want him to take the bike, the gift, and stick it in the garage and, and leave it there for a year. How would you feel? How would I feel? Gift meant to be shown off. I mean, it's funny because people are wearing these corny sweaters. Can I say that? Or you might really love your sweater. Let's just say Christmas sweaters. And you're all like, yeah, check out my Christmas sweaters, ugly. And we all chuckle now. But when you were 15 years old and grandma brought you that sweater, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then it wasn't, then you're like, I'm not wearing this. And your mom's like, put that on right now. No, put it on. Messing my mom Italian. Boom. So I'm like, kidding. But right, it was, it was like, not, it was like, it was, you take it, you, you would throw it under your bed, and what would happen a year later, six months later? Grammy's coming over, put on the sweater she got you. Mom, I don't want to put on the sweater. Put it on, or I'm coming in there. But that wasn't a gift you wanted to show off. That was a gift you wanted to hide. But shouldn't we be showing off what God gives us? Why do we want to hide? How, we've brought into this false humility that, that we think that somehow being meek and lowly like Jesus means that we hide from the world and hide God's blessings to us from the world. Gifts are meant to be shown off. We should be showing off peace. I mean, if God's peace is real and it's a real gift and Christians get that gift, what does that mean to the, the dying world around us? I know we often feel like we live in the worst time in history, and we, we know that probably the Christians in the Roman Empire that were thrown in the lions, they would probably disagree with us, and, and Native Americans that were slaughtered would disagree, and people who were in the Holocaust would disagree, but here's what we can all agree on. We live in the most visible time in history, most visible time in history. Everybody is showing off something, their bodies, their cars, their money, their talents, and we what? We hide the gifts of God? No, we should be taking these platforms, even if you have four followers on Instagram, and showing off the blessings of God, the gift of peace. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, they put it on a stand. Like that sweater right there, it's blighting up. <laughs> they, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you can't see, she's got lights on her sweater. That's what I was saying. No? No one's following me. Roger, you're going to get 20 emails. Don't ever let that guy preach again. I'm just giving you the heads up. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds. And who? Glorify who? The gift giver. Don't we want to see glory to God? Then why do we hide God give, God's gifts, and think that somehow that's humility. I, I don't want to be a show-off. You're not showing off you. When my son rode through town on his bike, everyone of his friends knew he didn't buy the bike. You heard the amount of chores he does in a year. He didn't save up the money. 
brought him the bike. He was showing off our love for him. When we show off God's peace, we are showing off God's love for us. And what better time in history than now to do that? The most visible time in all the chaos to show off God's peace. There's a great story I heard about a man who, a very rich man who wanted to find the, the perfect picture of peace. Like literally a picture, a painting, a portrait. And he searched everywhere. He just couldn't find what he thought was the perfect artistic expression of what peace should look like on a canvas. And so he couldn't find it, so he, he starts a, a contest with a large sum of money. And so artists from all different nations start sending him pictures and drawings, and they just keep coming in, and they're arriving from all over the world, and finally the day comes to pick a winner. And the judges begin, and they start uncovering one picture after another picture, and they, they get to like 100-something pictures, and they're, they're, no winner has been picked. And so tension's growing. People are like, oh, there's only a couple of pictures left. So obviously, the winner's going to be one of these two. And they, they uncover one of them. And it was just a, it was a beautiful, peaceful picture. It was a, a mirror smooth lake under a, a, a full moon sky. And you could see the silhouette of birch trees on the shore. And, and there was a bunch of sheep grazing in grass on the side. And it was, just looked so peaceful. And people were like, that, that has to be the winner. But the man who, who ran the contest moved on and moved on to the very last picture, just like they say, the best for last. And he pulls off the covering, and it was this massive, this painting of this massive, violent waterfall going over this jagged, rocky precipice. And you could, the crowd could almost feel the, the cold, penetrating spray kind of coming off and the, the stormy gray clouds that were all on the top of the picture. It looked like they were ready to explode with, with lightning and, and rain and thunder. And in the midst of all, like, the thundering feel and the bitter chill, there was a, a skinny little tree that clung to the rocks at the edge of the cliff. And in one of the branches, one of the skinny little branches that came out, in that tree, there was a little bird, and it built a nest, and the bird was painted as completely content, undisturbed by the stormy surroundings. And she rested on her eggs, covered her eggs with her wings, and, and she was completely confident, comfortable, and unfazed by the nastiness of nature around her. That was the painting that won. Because that's what peace looks like in the midst of chaos. And we live in a chaotic world. I don't know if we live in the worst time in history, but man, we are bombarded day by day by day with constant media influx and this one, this, and this political view. And it is, you can see why people are literally losing their mind. Shouldn't we be showing off the gift of peace? Lastly, with gifts, we know this. Gifts are paid for. Gifts are always paid for. Someone had to pay for the gift. If it's, if it's any value, someone's got to pay for it. You, you remember when you got the cards from your, your preschool kid or your kindergarten kid, and, and it, was, it was their handprint or the trace out of their hand, and it said, like, me love you lots, right? And you got it, and you stuck it in your sock drawer for 10 years. I know what you did with it, 
right? But, but even, even, even that gift was paid for because that four-year-old had to muster all the attention they could to, to trace out those chubby little cute hands, right? They had to sit there, but a price was paid. If a price isn't paid for a gift, it's meaningless, it's worthless. When I was 15 years old, I, I had my very first girlfriend, and you know when you're 15 years old, if you're 15 years old in here, I, uh, just maybe close your ears. Everyone at 15 thinks you're going to marry the girl you're dating or the right, but it's like, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to have kids. We're going to be so happily married. My first relationship lasted two months, but it was right around Christmas. My, my woman, Nikki, I'm going on 20 years ago. We're doing all right. She's gracious with a capital G. You know who they're clapping for. It's not me. They're like, this guy's a big idiot. This woman is a saint. First girlfriend. And I, you know, when, when you're first girlfriend or boyfriend, you're obsessed. And I remember they were inviting me to their house on Christmas Eve. And I went and I brought them all little gifts. You know, I'm going to impress the family. I brought them all little gifts. And they brought me little gifts. And I got home on Eve at like midnight. I went to bed. I'm like, oh, I'm going to marry this girl. This is incredible. And then I was 15. So, you know, 15, you know. Christmas morning is like, whatever, it's Christmas, I don't care, bah humbug, right? You're all cool, and I get it. Um, and then I hear my siblings, my brothers and sisters and mom, and they're in the living room, and they're, they're opening presents. Oh, my gosh, I didn't buy any presents for my family. I was so obsessed with this girl, I forgot about my family. So I did what any good kid would do. I took all the presents that my girlfriend's family purchased me, and I threw them back in their boxes. I'm in the bedroom, so I don't have any wrapping paper. And I walk into the living room and say, Merry Christmas! And I start handing out the gifts that were given to me. The, the, unfortunately, my brother's like, yo, didn't you get those last night from this girl? I'm like, no. And then it was a lot of lies and a lot of manipulation. But anyway, <laughs> once, they, once they realized those gifts cost me nothing, it was a joke. It was a joke. I didn't sacrifice anything for those gifts. One of the things I love about this church, I love about Roger, I love about Charlotte, constantly at the center of this church, this is why, listen, we're, I'm not a popular guy, so it's not like our church is not, hey, you should come spend time with us now. This is why when it was nice, when we left vocational ministry, we just got to choose which church can we go to no strings attached, where we can be most fed and loved. That's why we came here. And at the heart of what Roger preaches, you can clap, that's, that's honoring Roger and Jill and Charlotte. At the bottom of everything, Roger bases every driving factor and forces, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Isaiah 53.5, one, one of the verses that has impacted me the most in all of Scripture. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The punishment that purchased brought you and I the gift of peace was on him. He paid the price. Do we understand the weight of that? 
I think we don't often, and I think we have to grow, and I'm saying myself included, and that's the progress of the Christian life. That's why there's no, there's no weight of guilt. We, we are all growing in that. But C.S. Lewis, great quote, I love it. He says this, he goes, it would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You have some peace in your life. Praise God. God wants to multiply it. Don't be pleased. You can be thankful for what you have. But if you think God wants to leave you here when it comes to peace, we're wrong. And where we are minimizing the price paid for our peace by God himself. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us? Jesus paid it all. The magnitude of that, the blood and death of God purchasing our gift of peace. My son rides his bike. We spent whatever, however amount dollars to buy the bike. He rides around. He's confident we, we purchased that bike for him and he maximizes using it. I want us to be a people, I want myself to be a person that maximizes peace because peace is the driving factor in everything we're doing. Everything at the bottom. You and I want more peace. That's humanity, but it doesn't happen on our own. That's why we constantly have to be receiving, receiving the gift of peace from God. And let's not make them stingy. Let's not make them cheap. I want to close with this last story. Because th this hit me, this weighed on me. Little town down south, very rich man, he owned a big toy store. Big toy store. And, and he, he, found, he, he found a little girl, little girl who, who had no money. And he said, I want you to bring this little girl into my store, and I want you to give her free reign. She can have anything she wants. And so they bring in the little girl, and she gets like two shopping carts full of stuff, and she comes out, and she's overjoyed. She's happy. Now, this is going to sound a little rough, just so bear with me. And the man meets her at the entrance after they let her tour through and grab whatever she wanted, and he said to her, she said, I'm done. And he said, that's all you're getting? And she said, I got two cartfuls of toys. And he said, I said you could have anything you want in this store. And this is to a little girl that sounds a little off. He said, though, do you understand if I say anything in the store? If you don't take everything in the store, you make me to be stingy and cheap. My word is my word. This, she ended up owning the store. She owns the store because he was so willing to give her everything. This is a guy with money. I don't even think he was a Christian man. God says, my death has purchased you peace. How much do you want? That's too little. You're taking too little. You're thinking me too cheap. You're thinking me too stingy. I died on a cross so you could have it all. Take it all, it's yours. I purchased it for you. The gift of God is peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.